Hi, once again, I'm Dr. Rob, and this is the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health. Last week, I discussed the issue of medical studies and how to interpret them. Specifically, I addressed the common mistakes people make when trying to figure out what they mean. If you didn't listen to that podcast, please do so before listening to this one. Today, I'm going to continue on the issue of decoding medical headlines, covering how to listen critically when you hear sensational headlines and determine what to worry about and what to ignore. That's the essence of the issue, after all. To give you information you can actually use, I'm going to give different scenarios that you may face. The type of information you have to deal with will determine your reaction. The first scenario is when you hear about studies that pertain to a drug that you're taking. These studies will either say that the drug is harmful or that it doesn't work as well as advertised. Studies that say that a drug works great don't usually make the evening news. Here are a few things that you should consider when dealing with this kind of headline. The first is don't panic. Prescription drugs have a very detailed approval process, so even though the drug may have some problems, it probably won't make you die get terribly sick, or have your arms and legs fall off. The second thing to remember is don't assume the worst. I assume that you trust your doctor. If you don't, then you should find one that you do trust. One of the main tasks of us physicians is to know the drugs that we prescribe. When prescribing something, I don't do so blindly. I know the majority of side effects, risks, and interactions, and the benefits of every drug that I prescribe. If I didn't, I wouldn't be doing my job. If your doctor is using an electronic medical record, chances are really good that they're actually checking the interactions as they prescribe the drugs. Most of the medical headlines don't catch us by surprise. The third thing to remember is don't assume the best. Many people think that if there is a problem, their doctor will contact them and tell them to come off of the medication or whatever. That's true in the ideal world, but not in real life. When you hear of the potential dangers of a drug, you should call your doctor and see if you should continue it. But if the headline is about the effectiveness of a drug, you can probably wait until your next visit to address the issue. But you should bring it up. If you don't have an appointment, then go ahead and schedule one. These are usually longer discussions, and a face-to-face visit will allow you to ask questions and not feel that things are being rushed as you would in a phone call. In my office, we docs discuss any headlines that we may get calls about. If it's serious, we send letters out to people and phone calls who are on the drug. Otherwise, we give our nurses instructions on how to handle the calls that we'll be getting. The second kind of headline is about findings from medical studies. This is probably the most common. They kind of sound like this. A new study has determined that recording podcasts may cause premature balding. Or, scientists have found a link between humming and cancer of the nostril. Or. In a groundbreaking study, scientists now believe that drinking lots of water may increase urination. The evening news is riddled with these kind of headlines, and let me say categorically that they're almost never anything earth-shattering. News organizations are always trying to gain viewers, and one of the ways they do this is to get the scoops on things that their competitors don't get. So, to do so, it is common for them to make something borderline sound like a must-hear headline. But not being earth-shattering is not the same as not being significant. All studies have to be put in perspective by considering the following. First, whom is the study looking at? Is it on men, women, or both? What are the ages of the people being studied? Do they have specific diseases like diabetes or high blood pressure? 
how many people were in the study, the more people involved, the more likely it is to be accurate. The second thing to consider is, what does the study actually say? Look for words like, X is associated with Y, or people with Y have a higher rate of Z. Remember the story of the farmer and the roosters on my last podcast? Two things happening at the same time doesn't mean that one actually causes the other. Studies often indicate an association, meaning that now the scientists need to go out and do more studies to figure out if that association means anything at all. The third thing to consider is, how does this fit in with other studies? Sometimes one negative study can make all the headlines despite the fact that it contradicts the numerous positive studies that are already there. Sometimes they appear to contradict, but in reality they're looking at totally different things. But other times, studies examining the same groups of people do contradict. That happens actually fairly often, and it's actually the nature of science. So what do you do when studies seem to contradict? Well, you see who wins the angry scientist cage match to the death. Scientists are always fighting about this kind of thing, actually. So now on to the third scenario. Once enough of these studies have been gathered on any single issue, a group of really smart people sits down and they tell us what it all means. They give their recommendations on all sorts of things such as how to manage diseases like diabetes, how to treat ear infections, what a particular immunization schedule should be, and what you should do to prevent cancer. And that's actually, the last one is what the biggest deal is about right now. The newest breast cancer screening recommendations put out by the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force caused a real brouhaha by changing the guidelines. So it seems appropriate for me to use them to demonstrate how you should deal with this kind of recommendation. So here are my quick and dirty tips on how you should approach the breast cancer screening recommendations and hence other recommendations that come out in the future. Tip number one, know who is making the recommendations. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force is the panel of health experts that made the breast cancer recommendations. They are a mix of government appointees from groups like the Centers of Disease Control and representatives from physician professional organizations like the American Academy of Family Physicians. They're generally felt to be independent and impartial. Second tip is read the recommendation carefully. The breast cancer recommendations are based on a huge number of studies, and all of those studies are actually listed in the recommendations themselves. They call into question the reliability of mammograms and breast self-exams as tools to prevent cancer. I'm going to give you the main points verbatim. The United States Preventive Services Task Force recommends against routine screening mammography in women aged 40 to 49 based on patient context, including patients' values concerning specific benefits and harms, individual decisions should be made regarding starting regular, biennial, meaning every other year, mammography before 50 years of age. Number two, women aged 50 through 74 years should undergo biennial screening mammography. Number three, Current evidence is insufficient to determine additional benefits and harms of screening mammography in women 75 years or older. Fourth, in women 40 years or older, current evidence is insufficient to determine the additional benefits and harms of clinical breast exam beyond screening mammography. And fifth, the USPSTF recommends against clinicians 
teaching women the techniques of breast self-exam. Okay, calm down, everybody. We're going to go on to the last quick and dirty tip. Quick and dirty tip number three. Remember, these are just recommendations. These recommendations are in no way binding, and each of them has a notation about how convinced these scientists are of their reliability. I am positive that they argued long and hard about many of these. The purpose of these new recommendations was not to alarm the public or make a political statement. It was to raise an alarm. Many health professionals have felt that the effectiveness of mammograms and breast self-exams have been exaggerated. These tests are the best we have, but that just means that we need to find better tests. Personally, I think the task force is right to raise the concern. All the hype about women needing yearly mammograms and doing breast self-exams was actually from more the press and non-medical people, and that hype is coming back to haunt us. I won't change the way I practice at this point, but I really hope that we can do better for women than mammograms and self-breast exams that we're advising now. That's it. I hope this was helpful. If you have questions you want answered, send them to housecalldoctor at quickanddirtytips.com or call area code 206-337-5895. You can find me on Twitter at housecalldoc and on Facebook on my page, The House Call Doctor. Check out our new-looking website. It looks pretty fancy-schmancy to me. And don't forget to visit my blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind, at distractible.org. And let me remind you that this podcast is for informational purposes only. My goal is to add to your medical knowledge and translate some of the weird medical stuff you hear so that when you do go to your doctor, your visits will be more fruitful. I don't intend to replace your doctor. He or she is the one you should always consult about your own medical condition. Catch you next time. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.